Forward, a Fiserv podcast, features conversations with the people moving financial services and commerce forward. Here's your host, Jason Hendricks, with Fintech Forge. Take me out to the ball game. Take me out with the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and Cracker Jacks. Hey, speaking of buying peanuts and Cracker Jacks, the game of baseball might not have changed much over the last hundred years, but the ballpark experience has, and it's getting even better. Bypass, which is part of Fiserv, is changing the game for fans, vendors, and entertainment operators. From the fans' approach to the venue to the in-game experience, Bypass uses mobility, data, and cloud to deliver the best experience. Say goodbye to missed touchdowns while standing in line and soggy fries because Crinkle Cut couldn't forecast demand. On this episode of Fiserv Forward, Jeff Johnson, general manager of Bypass at Fiserv, and I talk about how they are embedding finance into the experience at more than 300 national restaurant chains, sports and entertainment properties, and cafes in corporate healthcare and educational settings. Now let's play ball! Jeff, we're used to interviewing fintechs that are pursuing niche markets. You know, and Bypass certainly started out going after a niche. It just happens to be a pretty massive niche called hey, let's go after sports venues. And it's such an interesting place. I I don't think that, you know, if I were going to go start a company around payments and kind of a specialty payments, what I would have even thought of. So how did you end up, you know, going after that space? Yeah, sometimes I ask myself that same question. Um, my, My story is kind of an interesting one. So I built a company when I was finishing graduate school and we were trying to affect restaurants actually. And it happened to be that uh, we didn't know everything we didn't know. We didn't quite understand everything about how restaurants worked at the time, especially financially. And we found ourselves struggling to grow. And we just so happened to make a connection to someone who worked in the sports industry and said, hey, some of the things you're trying to do around pay at table and mobile technology would be really great in sports. And so we pivoted, started that journey into the sports market. And then that company was eventually acquired by Bypass. And what we realized, uh, me and the founder of Bypass, very quickly is we both had a shared vision of what the future of technology for food and beverage and commerce and sports really could be, and that we hadn't quite gotten there yet. So that's how um, I came to be in this market. And it's about 10 years running now that I've been building uh, commerce technology for the sports and entertainment space. We've seen the world of commerce has been changing, you know, pretty dramatically, you know, not just since the rise of the internet and e-commerce, but even within e-commerce and internet, you know, that has been changing dramatically. Is the same thing happening within the sports venues? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there, there's been a change kind of going on behind the scenes. I think fans might not have been noticing this as much over the last, call it, decade. Um, you know, Historically, venues operated on on-premise, large mainframe computers being the back end of their point of sale. And you had kind of these keypad terminals. And you know, they were slow, they're clunky, they're hard to manage. And about 10 years ago, um, you started to see the rise of cloud-based systems that um, could actually operate venues that were large, NHL, uh, NBA, NFL arenas. And, and that's kind of what Bypass originally did. We helped usher in that new era of cloud-based point of sale. And you know, frankly, there were some big gains from that. It made it easier for operators to manage remotely. Suddenly, you didn't have to be in the stadium to run reports. You didn't have to be actually at a terminal to change menus and update pricing. But 
what we always saw the real future being is the shift that we're seeing now, which is going not just from a cloud-based register that you still order in the same way where you have to go up to a concession stand, but moving towards kiosk and mobile. And we think that that revolution is just happening and it's kind of been triggered by COVID, honestly. Well, let's talk about that because we're entering a season, literally a season that we're going back into the, the stands What's changed in a post-COVID world, you know, not just that there are going to be fewer people and thankfully no longer looking at cardboard cutouts, which I'm guessing doesn't drive a lot of commerce, um, but, you know, what do you think that experience is going to be that's so different? Yeah. Well, first, I mean, I think there's there's an obvious one that, that's at the top of everyone's mind, you know, both the operators, the um, technologists and the fans themselves, just safety. I think we need to create environments where fans feel safe where you can create the physical distance if you feel like you need to. Um, and that means that lines for concession stands need to change. They need to go away, frankly, is what we are you know, working with our customers and um, working to actually create an amazing experience around. And that, I think, is really what you're going to see a difference in, is when you come to these stadiums, like a Pfizer Forum, you will find that there isn't a traditional line for a concession stand anymore. There's a bank of kiosks, and there's a QR code for you to scan and either open a web view or download the team app, and that is going to create your ordering experience. And the efficiency there is going to be amazing. Jason, I can tell you one of the things I, as a fan, am excited for is going to the game with my wife. And she wants a hot dog and I want chicken tenders. Normally, we'd have to wait in two lines to get those two things. Now, through the technology we build and the way that we're working with operators to enable this, you could have one cart on your phone or on a kiosk, build that order, check out. So I think there's going to be some amazing experiential things for fans. And then on the backside, it really is powerful when you have this connected to a robust commerce system like Bypass. Clover and Fiserv, because then operators know that they'll actually have technology that works um, in these high volume environments. Well, let's come back to the high volume because you know there's something very interesting in an analogy to the banking industry that we talk about quite a bit, where COVID forced a lot of the misconceptions that bankers may tell themselves about, oh, our you know, customers really love to come into the branch. It's like, well, no, you're actually just not giving them the digital experiences they want and need. And now that they couldn't come into the branch, it's proven that you need to actually transform not just the technology, but the overall experience. It feels like this is almost the identical analogy, which is you have to bust down your norms, what you believed the commerce was, you know, and for the fan, or maybe you were just actually as an operator, well, replumbing the entire system is hard. Now you're kind of forced to, right? And it's in a mutual yeah. beneficial way that is both safe, safer, but also fans don't like standing in line. Right. No, I, I think it's, you make a great point in that the analogy to banking is, is an interesting one. Obviously, that's something Fiserv knows a lot about. And I think we've seen a lot of transitionary technologies in banking that kind of lead consumers to this feeling of comfort using their own personal devices. And I, and I think that's mm -hmm. the real thing that's starting to you know, make me feel very bullish about this change happening quickly is that I go to restaurants, let's say, and I see people scanning a QR code and using that to order, right? And, and that, that change in perception of what is normal happened in banking, I think, 
previously, right? That was starting to shift. And now some of that transition has actually occurred in food. And I think what's going to happen now is, you know, fans are going to be really excited when they start to see some of the benefits they get of using, let's say, their own device to order, like personalization, customized rewards, things that make you feel engaged and, and treated in a special way in the environment during one game. And so I think that we're, we're trying to unlock the power of touching a fan through, yes, a digital experience. But as anyone who's used like a great banking app knows, you can have a great brand experience inside an app that almost feels better than going to a branch. And that's the type of stuff that we're, we're working with our customers to create. And then, of course, you know, the key is when you do have that banking experience, when you, when you do do all the things that you do, you expect it to really work. You expect the mobile check deposit to actually happen. You expect that the transfer of money is going to work. And that's where the, you know, the robustness of these systems, again, comes into play. When fans are going to order on their phone, they expect to actually get their food. They don't want to have to wait in a different line and not know and be confused about the status of their order and things of that nature. So we've really worked on that holistic fan journey um, and experience to make sure that along every step of that journey, both the operator and the fan has the visibility and the control they need. Well, let's talk about a very specific example on this idea of robustness and expectations. We get to the seventh inning stretch. What happens, right? Like, how do you manage that experience? Yeah, we were having a a great conversation internally with our engineering team, looking at the volume that we're seeing. And and we're already seeing this change. Stadiums aren't even at 100%, but there are moments in time in games now where people order on their phones. And so, you know, to your point, Jason, seventh inning, that's when alcohol normally cuts off. What happens if suddenly every fan orders from their seat? Well, with a lot of these systems that I think are out there being pitched to these teams, and this is no offense to them. I know they're working hard, but it takes years to build really robust systems that can handle volume. They will fall over and that will create terrible mm-hmm. fan experiences. What we have done is a combination of a few things. One, really deep technical architecture that's designed to scale, scale quickly, um, scale very robustly and not lose transactions, either the actual orders themselves or the dollars associated with them. But then on on kind of an an even simpler level, um, from a fan experience perspective and an operator perspective, we've built order throttling and order window controls. And, you know, people see these in other places, but there's there's some real key pieces for sports specifically that we need to pay attention to surrounding things like timing of events and the ability for operators to adjust and flexibly control those order windows. But for a fan, what that will end up looking like is, when you want to place that order at the seventh inning, it's going to tell you, hey, we're going to accept your order, but we're setting the expectation that it might take 30 minutes for you to pick up your beer. You don't need to leave your seat, though, because yes. the second your beer is poured, we're not only going to tell you it's going to be 30 minutes, but we're going to tell you that they've got your order, but they haven't started making it. Kind of like ordering a pizza, right? Yeah. But the stadiums have never been able to do this before. And then as soon as your order is ready for pickup, you'll get a text notification. Now you can make your way. You'll see your name on an order board. You go, you grab your order, and and you're gone. And so through these controls, we're going to be able to accept all of the orders and then allow the concessionaire to, in a very paced manner, deliver them over a set amount of time, thus keeping that fan experience uh, decent. Well, and it really does become a win for all stakeholders, right? Because what does the team want? They want your butt in the seat as long as possible watching the game because that's what makes you happy. But on the flip side... What is the concessionaire one is they want sales volume. 
And what do you want as the fan is, well, frankly, I want both like my cake and eat it too. In terms of, I want to see the game, but I also need to go get my wife something to drink or she's not going to stick around for the game. So how do I balance these two things other than standing, you know, looking through the portico, trying to watch the game. Cause I heard everyone, you know, cheering madly. And I love this concept that it's not just about digitizing the front end with a robust back end, but the back end then, you know, closes the loop and brings it back to the front end of the fan experience. That that is a, a very powerful and compelling virtuous cycle. Yeah. And you know, the really beautiful thing about this cycle too, Jason, is it, it extends beyond just the single game. So now what we're able to do for these operators is provide them with a more detailed granular view of how they actually fulfill orders than they've ever had before. You can think of this in an analogy to McDonald's having really advanced kitchen systems that they use to track exactly when they need to drop French fries. How many orders are they getting through the burger line? But the thing is, McDonald's is able to and does spend a lot more money on their in-situ technology than these food and beverage concessionaires are used to, right? Yep. So you're in an NFL stadium, you only have 10 events a year. So you're not going to put really advanced kitchen technology in because there's a challenge to operating it. Well, now we've eliminated the need for advanced technology because the workflow of fan places an order, that's a timestamp. Fan is ready to pick up their order. That's a timestamp. Fan has picked up their order. Now we can show analytics and allow venues to actually analyze in a simple way how well they are performing at different points in time in the game. And then they can tweak those dials. So they can say, hey, you know, we noticed that we actually fulfilled all those beer orders a lot faster than we thought. And so we're going to actually open up those order windows. So we're going to fill more orders in a certain period of time next event. Okay, you've, you turn that dial. Now you watch the results. And now, now you've actually gotten to an amazing point where you finally close the loop on that efficiency tracking. You understand how to staff your stands. You know how to deliver the right expectation to the guest. And we expect that that, that benefits you know, everyone, really, including the, the operators, right? Because it's stressful to operate these stands in high-volume environments. Giving yeah. them the confidence that they're, they're going to meet fan expectations is a big one. And obviously, it's great for the fans, too. Yeah. Well, and let's face it, there's nothing worse than you've gone and stood in line only to find out they're cold chicken tenders and crusty pizza on top of it because <laughs> they mistimed this. Like if you can improve dropping the fries at exactly the right moment, you know, that goes a long way. I'm curious Indeed. where you've had some surprising insights, you know, coming out of these analytics. Has there been anything that surprised you in terms of like the learning that without this kind of ability to turn the analog and the hearsay version of how you run the concession stand to be able to say, hey, get a look at, this is what data actually says, you know, yeah. how you run the business. I would say the biggest uh, kind of anecdotal surprise that we've seen is that, although it's not really that surprising when I think about it, but it's fascinating to see it play out in data is there isn't as much variability as we might have expected in terms of number of items in your cart or the product mix of your cart, but it is related on a lot of levels to the employees that are doing it and seemingly kind of the timing of the event. And now a lot of this is going to require kind of a secondary look. But what we're starting to see is that we can help pinpoint challenging areas of the stadium. And we originally thought that those would be in the food production and you know potentially in just the volume of, of what orders were coming in. But it seems to be more in training and that it's training staff and having the staff really understand 
This is how you move one thing to the next, which, you know, like I said, it, it kind of does make sense on some level, though, because I think what, what we've always known is that even in a highly automated food service environment, the weakest link is always going to be some person in the process, right? People aren't yep. perfectly efficient at things that they do. And so that allows us to, again, another loop that we can close is say, okay, how do, does our technology help these operators operate at their highest efficiency? And we can see which operators are operating efficiently and which ones are not. So we can kind of up-level the entire group. And that's amazing because now we're helping with training and we're helping ramp up employees faster, which is always an important thing for these concessionaires. Yeah, especially when they have turnover and you're trying to you know, bring those in and deliver the experience. You know, that's exactly. powerful. I'm also curious, and I expect you don't have an answer for this, but it's got me dreaming the second order effects to be able to understand not only it's like, what does it look like when it's a Saturday afternoon game and the temperature is X and it's cloudy? Like, what are the implications for the game? What happens when it's two arch rivals, you know, you know, playing each other? Like, there's a whole lot of interesting data that come out when you've taken something previously analog and now digitized it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You are scratching, uh, scratching in the place that, that I've been excited about, frankly, for years. It's taken a while for us to get there because, you know, there have been gaps in the data. There have been holes in, in information that we feel like we're starting to fill now. And we are, we're, we're looking at a bunch of exciting angles of second and third order effects that we can, we can start to show. And, you know, I think a lot of those will be powerful outside of the major, let's say, constituents that we would normally be working with in a venue. And it starts to expand to places like local businesses, bigger sponsors in these venues, right? There's a lot of interesting information that we could start to get pretty confident that we could predict um, based on historical trends and, and having you know the rich data that Pfizer has about, about what customers are doing. Well, let's talk about that because it's fascinating that you can take the fan experience and the game experience outside of the stands, right? And into the local community. And it becomes both like a pre-game and a post-game component that you're now gathering rich data around. Yeah, I think that we're going to see more and more of this. You're seeing it across the country. You know, in a way, colleges have kind of been this forever, right? You know, where you've got the the big game that's going to happen. And before that, people are out. And after it, people are out. But um, that type of kind of community feel hasn't always existed for pro sports, right? Yep. And so I think we're starting to see more of those campus-style setups being built. Pfizer Forum is a great example. You've got the Deer District right there with Mecca and all these other bars. And then you've also got a hotel and, hey, now you're in downtown Milwaukee. And so thinking about how we connect all these experiences together, because we power so much of the transactional experiences across the board, is something that we're really interested in doing, right? And, you know, there are a lot of anecdotal stories people tell about. You got your tickets, you get in your car, it knows what parking lot you should be at. It tells yeah. you that you need gas and which gas station to go to to get the, you know, the best deal. And then when you get there, it's a really seamless, easy entry with things like digital ticketing and wayfinding and, you know, and then experiences throughout the event can be tied to external things. I think everyone's been at a game maybe where Taco Bell does a free giveaway of a taco when someone hits a home run, but I can tell you the efficacy tracking of that not super high. And, you know, a lot of times those things are just kind of thrown away. And so we're interested in trying to close the loop with these merchants and find ways of, of really tracking and demonstrating efficacy of either cross-target marketing 
or simply just suggestions, right? Hey, the game's closed ending. Why don't you head around the corner for a beer? Not even going to offer you anything, just literally tell you that it exists and, you know, and see what happens. And then again, we can use that data and analytics to help improve those experiences going forward. You know, one of the things that strikes me is a lot of those fan experiences that were touted before were almost like the vanity metrics, you know, for the data nerds, right? And it was anecdotal stories, but really having the full closed loop. And I think you hit on this, the fact that, you know, you have the full power of what Fiserv is powering, what Clover is doing in what you're doing, right? Like you need those three components to actually really have the robust ecosystem. And I think one thing, and you know, maybe I'm naive here, I'd love to hear more about what you would think. Actually using the personal device is an important component of it, right? Because then it's a single source of identity across mm-hmm. all of those points. How much does that play into that change of user behavior actually makes it more powerful? Oh, I think it's critical. I mean, it kind of goes back to the same, you know, banking analogy. I think it's people seeing the benefit of having their personal identity tied to it. And, you know, I think it's really important to to make sure everyone understands, though, that all these things we're talking about with personal identity and your phone, we are absolutely putting the customer's data privacy and security first. Yeah. So we're not just trying to take your data to go sell it. We love CCPA and all the things that GDPR has created in this country, but I do think you can still, in the bounds of you know being very above board and not doing anything weird with people's data, leverage their personal data to give them an amazing experience. That's what this should be about, right? Understanding, hey, do you have a family or are you likely out with your boys or your girls tonight? And so we're going to tell you different things, right? That's not us trying to manipulate you so much as say, hey, we're not going to recommend that you go to the super loud bar if you've got a you know 10-year-old kid that you just walked out of the stadium with. And we think a lot of that ties back to the mobile device and it should be, it should feel like an adventure. That That's the thing that we kind of talk about sometimes is like the street to seat experience, the street to seat adventure and how we make going to these games really feel like an immersive situation that is backed by technology, but also is really about all of the other things, all of the other multimedia interactions, obviously watching the athletes, being able to get experiences. And there are companies that have been on the fringes trying to do this stuff for a while. But what I think the power is in in trying to unify this through kind of a single commerce engine is that you really can understand not just who the fans are, but how much you're throwing at them. Because there can be an overload situation that happens. And so I think it's about making those moments that feel kind of magical and then disappearing for a little while on the technology yeah. side. Um, and, I, and I think all this stuff is, is going to start to become truly real. And, you know, we're excited to, to be, you know, partnered with Pfizer Forum and the Milwaukee Bucks to, to drive some of the stuff into, uh, into the foreground. Well, absolutely. And I love you put the adventure in the right place. It's not the adventure of can I find parking? How far away is it? Can I make it to my seat without being spilled on? Can I make it from my seat to you know pick up my order and it's going to be good? And can I find my car back at the end, right? Exactly. Jeff, I'm really excited to see a number of the things that are coming in this transformation that we're just at the beginning of. Could you share a couple other use cases or experiments that stadiums and operators are exploring? Yeah, so I think you know the word you just used, experiment, is the thing that makes me most excited about what's happening with commerce right now in sports is that 
operators are finally, um, I think, ready to try more things. Fans are open to different experiences. The technologies are there. And so beyond the things that we talked about with mobile and kiosk, we're seeing more desire to experiment around things like scan and go technology. We're seeing this at the Phoenix Suns, their arena, where rather than just have a kiosk and a mobile to do traditional ordering, you can now walk up, grab a pre-made sandwich, grab a pre-made burger, grab a drink, scan uh, those items yourself and check out. We're also seeing things like, you know, Amazon has launched their Go stores in Seattle. There's a lot of interest around that technology. There are many other companies that are looking into things like that. And so we're, we're helping our businesses, our customers evaluate how they can use those technologies. And really, I think that the exciting thing too is, you know, in a more nuanced way, we are seeing teams explore how they can use these technologies together, how they use data analytics around those technologies to then make decisions about which ones to continue to expand with and which ones to not utilize anymore. And, and that's part of the experimentation that I'm really excited about being involved in is not just building the technologies, but building it, seeing how customers use it, how it affects the fan experience, and how that can create even better fan experiences in the future. And we're doing things like that at the Florida Panthers, at Excel Energy, and of course, at Pfizer Forum. So, and those are just a couple of venues of the hundreds that we operate that are all starting to determine ways that they're going to enhance their fan experiences through technology. Well, fantastic. Cannot wait to get into the stadium myself and look forward to these new, more immersive and digitally driven experiences. Yeah, me too. Thank you for joining us. Look for future episodes of Forward at fiserv.com forward and soon on major podcasting platforms.